0: We've been in this Christmas series now for a couple of weeks. Uh, This year we took almost like an Advent approach toward our Christmas series. Advent is just a Latin word for the coming or the arrival. And Advent is a, a Christian tradition that's been celebrated for hundreds of years. And really what Advent does is that it looks back at the first arrival of Jesus and helps us and teaches us things to have in our life daily as we look forward to the second arrival of jesus because he promised that he's coming again can i get an amen come on stronger amen than that come on he's coming again for his people and we really believe that with all our heart soul mind body and that jesus is coming again so advent it teaches us really these four virtues two weeks ago we talked about hope somebody say hope and we really believe that we need to live lives of hope and advent teaches us about hope we spoke about that two weeks ago And if you're in here today and you don't have hope in your life, I'm praying that you get some hope in your soul today and that you leave out of here with more hope than how you came in. Amen? And last week we spoke about peace. Somebody say peace. And I think peace is something that we all need. Humanity's looking for. And the peace that is found in Jesus compares to nothing else in the world. It's the best peace you can have. And it's supernatural peace. We spoke about that last week. Today we're talking about joy. Somebody say joy. All right, go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. As you're going there, look at the person next to you and tell them, you look fantastic this morning. Come on. Smile at the person next to you. Come on. 11 a.m. is a little bit quiet this morning. 9 a.m. was rowdy. West was rowdy. 11 a.m. Come on. You got some life in you. Come on. Anybody ready for some church? Look at the person on the opposite side and tell them, all I want for Christmas is you. Come on. Let's go. All right, go to Luke chapter (laughs) 2. Go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we're talking about joy today. And uh, I'm going with a very traditional Christmas uh, passage because I know we're in the week, basically, of a lot of holiday parties and a lot of gift-giving already. Uh, But I think we need to remember what this is all about. Amen? Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. If you're there, can you give a strong amen? Amen. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. Verse 10, can you underline verse 10, highlight verse 10, mark verse 10. It's important. It's beautiful. It's meaningful. Verse 10 says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Come on, somebody. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Come on, anybody grateful for that good news that earth received too? Come on, can you give God some praise for the good news that Jesus was born, is born, and is with us today. Out of uh, Luke chapter 2, as we continue with our Advent theme Today, I want to talk around the topic of joy. In fact, I've titled it this way. You can write this down My Right of Joy. My Right of Joy. Can you high five three people around you and tell them I got a right of joy? Come on, tell them I got a right. I got a right. I got a right. I got a right of joy. (laughs) Let's pray. And then we're going to um, talk about Jesus for the next 25, 30 minutes. Then we'll worship together and get ready for tonight. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your love, for your mercy with us and toward us. I pray that if anybody walked in the discouraged, down, sick, um, just without hope, without peace, without joy, that today you may fill them with your hope, your peace, your love, your mercy, your goodness. That they walked out of here different, God, that you will lift up their heads for them to see you. We love you because you're so good to us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. All of God's people say, Oh, come on, all of God's people say, Come on, can you give Jesus a big shout of praise? Come on, come on. (laughs) Years ago in the 90s, there was this really popular commercial. It was actually a series of commercials. Uh, that would always come on, and I thought they were absolutely fantastic. It was from a chewing gum company, and uh, the commercials were kind of based on this premise, that if your your gum lost flavor, you would miss out on life because you were looking for a new piece of gum. Anybody hate flavorless gum? Come on, that's the absolute worst. So, for example, there was a group of tourists... And they were all walking somewhere, and they were about to see the breaching of a blue whale. And this was like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. In the commercial, they're all walking, and they're all excited. Another commercial was a group of scientists who were looking through this massive telescope, and there was a fiery comet that was supposed to fly by at this certain moment that only happened once every, like, 75. Years. Anybody remember the commercials? Right? And Nobody. Okay, they're, they're watching <laughs> very famous commercials, and... Uh, they're waiting for the whale, or they're waiting for the comet, and right as it's about to happen, the person's chewing gum, and they're like, it, it lost its flavor. It lost its flavor. So they start looking everywhere for a new piece of gum. Now, as they begin to look for the new piece of gum, the whale comes out of the water, or the fiery comet flies by, right? And they turn around just in time to see the last part of it, and they're like, oh, you, I, I missed it, I missed it, and... In one of, the, one of the commercials, the comet, I think, passes by every 75 years. And the scientist, he walks away saying, another 75 years. I enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> but I think it, it, it taught a valuable lesson that sometimes looking at one thing, you might miss out on another thing. Has that ever happened to you? Me and Diana, we were driving down to the Keys a couple of months ago. And on, the, on these long drives, I just sort of love looking around you know, at my surroundings. I think I picked that up from my dad. My dad, I remember always driving and saying, there goes a deer. There goes a boar. Look at that. And I, as a little kid, I could never see it. But now that I'm driving, I get to see all of that. And we were driving, and, and I saw this beautiful bald eagle going down. Like, it was just absolute. It was majestic. It was royal. It was I saw the bald eagle. I felt like singing the national anthem. Like, oh, oh. Yeah, beautiful, like, beautiful. And I'm like, Diana, look, a bald eagle. Like, this is beautiful. And like like, like, two seconds, three seconds pass by, and I don't hear no reaction from her. So I look, and she's on her phone looking at a video, and she's like, oh, I'll, I'll look at it right now, babe. I'll look at it right now. And and, and maybe about 10, 15, 20 seconds later, she's like, oh, okay, where is it? I'm like, you missed it. You missed it. The eagle passed by. Now, that happens vice versa nowadays with phones, right? That happens all the time. She was trying to show me a video one time, and and she's like, babe, look at this video. It's hilarious. And, and I missed it because I was looking at the bald ego, right? Like, either way, like, it happens all the time. Have you ever missed out looking at something because you were too busy looking at another thing? I think this happens often in life, that while we're looking for one thing, we can miss out on the right thing. We can miss out on the This culture, society, this world that we're living in. It's pulling, it's grabbing for our attention. It's telling you, look here, look at this, look at that. And if we're not careful, we'll divide our attention to maybe some things that aren't even worthwhile. And they may not be the right thing. For example, even in this holiday season that we're in, if we're not careful, we'll go left and right into every kind of department store looking for gifts. But you might miss out on the gift of the present that God has given you right now. Right? As some of us, if we're not careful, we'll become, you know, just crazy for money because I got to pay off all these bills after Christmas, and we'll work double overtime, triple overtime, everything we can, and we might miss out making memories with our family. Like, money comes and goes, but memories, they're amazing with family. Like, don't miss out on the right thing because you're looking for the wrong thing. This is what I think ultimately happens. I really believe this, that the wrong search never finds the right life looking for the wrong stuff will never lead you to the right kind of life that God has for you I'll put it this way looking for the wrong desires will never lead you to the right destination what are you searching for what's our focus on today times I always got to sit back and reflect like what's my desires what am I looking for in life because if I look for the right things I'll end up in the right destination And ultimately, I think this happens with life. Are we looking for money or are we looking for purpose? Are we looking for a fast, good time or are we looking for a lasting life that will leave a legacy? Like we need to be careful. And and I think this happens a lot as we talk about joy today. I think that many times we're looking for happiness and we end up missing out on joy. Looking for happiness, we miss out. And there's a massive difference between the two. Like a big difference between the two. Like happiness is external, joy is internal. Yeah. Happiness is based on your circumstances, joy is based on what you know. Massive difference between joy and happiness. Uh, for a lot of people, happy is the goal. Like I'm in, I'm in this relationship because they make me happy. You ever heard that? They make me happy. Are you, are, you, are you good in that relationship again? Are you, are you everything is okay? Yes, they make me so happy, right? <laughs> Oh, you like your job? Yes, this job makes me so happy. right? Oh, you enjoy church? Yes, this church makes me so <laughs> What happens the moment it doesn't make you happy anymore? Happiness is not the goal because all of a sudden your spouse is not making you happy, happy, happy anymore. What do we do? As humans, we quit whenever we're not happy anymore. My husband or my wife is not making me happy anymore, so I quit. Because you're looking for happiness, you're looking for something emotional. I quit my job, and I look for another job if it's not making me happy. I look for another church if my church is not making (laughs) making me happy. But happiness is not the goal. Can I tell you, joy is the goal. Joy is not based on how I feel. Joy is something on the inside. come on i believe that god wants to give some people joy today in spite of what your life may look like in spite of what's going on around you we need a joy in our soul that the world can't take away it's a joy on the inside it's not based on my circumstance it's based on who i know i saw this definition of joy and i love this definition of joy and i think it's very important for us to understand that as we're right in the middle of the holiday season it says this joy is a personal choice in mindset in response to a spiritual reality, come on, come on, joy is a personal choice in my mindset, in my character, in my determination, in in, in my demeanor. I make this choice because of a spiritual reality that I know. I love it. Do you have joy today? I'm not asking if life is okay. I'm not asking are you happy. I'm not asking if everything's okay. Do you have joy on the inside of your? Look at your neighbor and tell him don't miss it. Don't miss it. Come on. Are we looking for the wrong thing and missing out on joy? I love what Pastor Rick Warren says about joy. He says this. He says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything's going to be all right, and the determined choice to praise god in every situation come on that's good right there come on anybody thank god for that i got joy in my soul somebody shout joy Joy. in other words i don't have joy because i got money in the bank i don't got joy because i got somebody in my life I don't got joy because I got the right job. I don't got joy because I got the right situation. I got joy because I got the right God and the right Savior, and I'm in his hands, and his hands are the right hands. And I, I know that as long as I'm with them, I'm going to be okay. Anybody grateful for that? Come on. If you got some joy in your life and you want some joy, can you give God some praise in this place and tell him I'm thankful that I got joy in every season? Come on. I got joy in good days. I got joy in bad days. I got joy in my soul and so I'll say this joy is not an emotion we feel it's an attitude we decide that's right, that's right. Joy is not a, I don't got joy because I got goose pimples <laughs> I don't have joy <laughs> I don't know who says goose pimples but I just did <laughs> I don't got joy because of exterior circumstances it's an attitude I Joy, joy is found all throughout the Bible. Like If you open up the Bible, Genesis through Revelation, you're going to find joy all throughout Scripture. Old Testament, New Testament, one commentator said that you will find the word joy approximately 200 times. All throughout Scripture. In fact, I'll say that joy is one of the key themes all throughout the gospel. You're going to find joy from Genesis all the way down to Revelation. God wants us to be people of joy. I think joy should be a defining characteristic of the people of God. Something I've never understood is mean-spirited Christians or Christians with no joy. Like, if anybody should have joy, it's the people of God the people who put their trust in God, the people who know that they've been rescued from sin, the people who have been forgiven for much. Oh, come on, if you're in here today and you know I sh- I don't even deserve to be here, I shouldn't even be in this place. Come on, there should be some joy in your soul. He saved me from a miry pit. Come on, he, he forgave me of all of my sins. He rescued me from hell. Come on, if anybody should have joy, it's us. Come on, look at your neighbor tell them, I got some joy. I got some joy. Like, you know, I, I've walked into, like, some Christian circles or churches, and, hey, how you doing? It's like, everything okay? Man, it felt like church was great. You know, like, like where's the joy of the Lord? Like, I get it. If people outside of, of our church world don't have joy because, because life is hard. But I feel like God gave us the spirit of joy because he knew that life would be difficult. And so all throughout scripture, he wants to give us a weapon called joy. Because life is going to bring you unexpected circumstances, tragedies. You're going to get that phone call. You're going to get that text. Life will happen to all of us. How do you go up against that? Otherwise, all of us will be without hope, discouraged, down and out. But the people of God, we have a promise to look forward to. We know that he came once and he's coming again. I know that I have life forevermore. So I got joy on the inside in spite of what happens on the outside. And so joy is is profound, It's deep. It's something that you and I have that we can use in life. I want more joy in my life. I don't know about you, but I want more joy in 2020. The Bible says this. The Bible says that, that when the people of God were in Egypt, they, they were under slavery, under Pharaoh. And God sent a deliverer named Moses. Come on, you saw the prince of Egypt. Moses came. And he delivered them out of Egypt. Remember, they were in bondage. They were under slavery. They had been beaten. They had been severely wounded. They had been treated as slaves like this was terrible for 400 years. All of a sudden, Moses comes and he delivers them. And he brings them out of Egypt. Now, remember, they don't immediately step into the promised land. It's a process from out of Egypt to the promised land. But yet, this is how they come out of Egypt. In Psalm chapter 105, verse 43, it says, He brought his people out with... Come on, can you say that like you got some joy in here today? Come on. He brought his people out with? Joy. Okay, his chosen ones with a song of? Joy. He brought them out with joy, and then they sang with a song of joy. They didn't come out from Egypt to the promised land. They came out of Egypt into the desert. But when God is on your side, you can have joy even in the desert. Oh, come on, you ain't hear me this morning. You can have joy in the middle of a storm. You can have joy in the middle of the desert. You can have joy even when you're broke. You can have joy even when there's a bad doctor report. You can have joy when there's no money. You can have joy when you're in the wilderness. You can have joy when you're feeling lost. You can have joy when you have no idea what life is gonna bring up next. I got a song of joy on the inside because joy is not about the present, joy is about the future. I got a God that's working out. A favor on my side. I got a God that's working out all things on my behalf. I got a God who's with me. And this joy that I have, the world can't take it. It won't be shaken. I got joy. Somebody say, I got joy. Come on, somebody. The church needs some joy today around the world. They they, they had joy not because of their present struggles, but because of their future destiny. That's powerful. We got to learn from the people of God. Soon they will lose it and they'll start to complain and bicker and murmur in the desert. But at first they had some joy because they said, I know we God. Isaiah the prophet, this is years and years, hundreds of years before Jesus ever touches the earth. Isaiah the prophet would write and he says, we anticipate with joy. We have joy because we wait on the coming Messiah. We know that God is faithful. He's going to send the son of God. The Messiah will come. And when he comes, we will all be filled with even more joy. Joy, it's almost this, this attitude that you choose to have in anticipation of what God is going to do. He's going to do something because he's faithful. In Luke chapter two verse 10, it says, "An angel appears to the shepherd. All right, I love Luke chapter two verse 10. It says, "I bring you good news. Somebody say good news. That will cause great joy, say great joy. Great joy. For all people, say all people. all people. Good news, great joy, all people. Good news, great joy, some people. Only good looking people. <laughs> Only skinny people with a six pack. <laughs> Only people who are holy and have it all together. Only white people. Only black people, only people that go to church every single week and look holy, this should bring you some hope and some joy because he didn't come for those that look like they have it all together. He came for every single human being. He came from every woman. He came for every man. He came for black, white, red, yellow. We are all precious in his sight. This is great news. Oh, come on. Great joy for all people. Even when I don't have it all together, he came for me. Even when I was broken, he died for me. Even when I was lost and confused. Come on. The son of God, he came down and he laid his life down for all people give God some praise for that come on somebody and so so that's why I hate the religious spirit that says only the good can come into a relationship with God because nobody is inherently good he came for all people and all people were born in sin inclined to sin he said I have good news that will cause great joy for all people and he says, he, he showed up to shepherds. Now, shepherds were known as lower class citizens back then. Like shepherds were on the outside. They were with sheep all day. They, they, they were weird. They smelled weird. They talked weird. Like, hey, how you doing, man? Like, they're just they're just, <laughs> just shepherds, right? Leading sheep all day. And I love that he shows up to shepherds because God always shows up to unexpected people. And So you may think, like, there's no way he can show up to me. But he'll show up in your life. And he says, go and find Jesus who is going to be lying in a manger. Yeah. Now, now I think Western Christianity, we've kind of like ruined this picture of the manger because we make everything so pretty, right? We've seen the manger scenes. Like Joseph is there, like, mmm. <laughs> You're around a crying baby for two, three days. You're not gonna be mmm. <laughs> I have a puppy. The puppy's driving me crazy. I don't know what a baby's going to do. I, I want to grab Zion. I'm going to put him outside, tie him to a fence for 30 days and tell him until you stop. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> mm. um, you got married with the same face. And, and you got a nice manger that looks like, you know, it's made out of wood. It has hay. It looks perfect. It looks so cute. And you're like, ah, oh, I'll sleep there. <laughs> All right, like, this looks cute. But a manger was not cute, and a manger was not nice. A manger was a feeding trough for animals. It wasn't made out of wood. Really, if you go back to ancient Israel, it was made out of stone. It was a hard place. When the Bible says that there was no room at the inn, and they gave them this room, when we were in Israel, they explained to us that what they gave them was a room where they would store animals at night, and it was a dark room all the way in the back of the house. So imagine the setting A very dark room, probably a couple of uh, candles lit, a couple of stone feeding troughs, and that's where Jesus is laid. And that's where you'll find joy. You'll find joy in the darkest and hardest circumstances of life. Because he doesn't show up in the pretty places only. He doesn't show up in your good times only. I have a God that shows up when life is rough. I have a God that shows up when life is hard. I have a God that brings joy in every circumstance. Come on, can anybody thank God for that? He shows up in the manger. That's where you'll find joy. That's why David could say in Psalm chapter 30, verse 5, that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. As he'll show up and he'll turn your attitude around. Joy so much different than happiness. Do we have joy today? I wonder if today we really understand the significance, the power of what God did when he sent his son Jesus into the world. More than just Christmas lights, trees, nice songs. It changed history, and it changed the way you and I can live today. It's profound. It's powerful. I don't think there's enough words to describe adequately what it means to every single one of us, if you really take some time out to sit with God and realize I got joy for my soul, not happiness. I got joy. Happiness is good. It'll come and go, but, but I got something more powerful than happiness. I got joy. How do do you maintain joy? How do we maintain this attitude of joy? Well, I think number one, it's deciding to live with a different perspective. Somebody say perspective. In other words, it's choosing to see life differently. Okay, how do we we live with this joy? How do I cultivate joy? Because, Because it's not easy always reminding ourselves of how good God is and everything that he has in store for all of us. So what do I do in the meantime, on the journey, as we advent, as we wait for the arrival or the coming of Jesus, I choose to have a different perspective. In fact, I'll say it this way. Instead of asking, why is this happening to me, I'll start to say, this is happening for me. Two very different ways of looking at life. This isn't happening to me. This is happening for me. It's, it's happening for my good. It's happening for my favor. It's happening for my development. It's happening for my family. It's happening for my holiness. It's happening for my perseverance. It's happening for my character development. It's happening for my patience. It's happening for God to do something on the inside. It's not happening to me. It's happening for me. I call this the Paul perspective. Looking at life the way Paul looked at life. Because maybe you're sitting there and you're like, Alex, that's cool, but you have no idea what I'm going through and you have no right to tell me because you probably never lived through any of the stuff I've lived through. You're right. But if anybody had a right to say anything, it was Paul. Yeah. Like Paul went through tough moments in life. Almost died multiple times. Shipwrecked, drowned, in prison multiple times. Beaten, severely beaten to the point of death multiple times. If anybody had a right, it's Paul. And look at what he says. Look at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Verses 12 through 14. If you can, not I want you to read this. This is powerful. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. Paul says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, says all of us, hello, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. They were on the outside there. Let's pray for Paul. Paul's in prison, man. He's hungry. It's dark in there. He's tired. We're going to pray for Paul. And Paul's like, hey, wait a minute. I actually want you to know me in prison has actually advanced the gospel. <laughs> it didn't happen to me. It happened For me, Come on, somebody. Look what he says, verse 13. As a result of him being in prison, it has now become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for... Oh, everybody knows I'm in here now for Jesus. (laughs) Right? And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. In other words, Paul says... You're out there crying, and at the beginning, I I was probably crying. Like, they were probably going to execute me tomorrow. He was waiting for his execution date. I had plans. You ever felt like you had all the plans drawn out, and they look really nice on paper? Paul's like, oh, I'm going to go out of the churches. I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach in Corinth. I'm going to preach in Galatia. I'm going to preach in Philip. Sunday service tour all over, right? Like, I'm going to go all over Asia Minor. I'm going to preach and visit all my brothers and sisters. And God says, No, you're not, you're going to prison. How would you react? I don't know how I'll react. Like, God, are you serious? <laughs> right? Like, I'm in, I'm in jail. But I, I was gonna visit all your churches. I was gonna preach the gospel. But sometimes our plans are not God's plans. But God's plans are always the better plans. You know what we need to do? We need to stop asking why. No, that's hard, but, but we're always, why God, why? Why this happened? Why this health report? Why the divorce? Why the separation? Why this struggle? Why this relationship? Why am I in this mess? Why the finances? Why am I overdrafted? Why God? Why, why didn't Diana see the bald eagle? We ask all these questions why. Right? But a lot of people die in their whys. Don't get stuck in your why. There's a lot of questions that we're not going to get answered on this side of eternity. But maybe we need to start asking what? God, what are you trying to do in this circumstance? God, what are you doing with this happening in my life, in my family, in my relationship, with my son, my daughter, with my husband, my wife? God, what? Because he's doing something. The question is not why. Let's start asking what. I got joy because I see life differently. It's not what's happening to me. I see it now as happening for me. One time me and Diana, we we went to this hotel, we got away for a couple of days and we went up to this hotel and we had booked a hotel where I thought she had booked a hotel and go up to the counter and like, yeah, Alexander Sagad, and they look for my name and all that. A couple minutes are like, sir, I don't know, it's weird, we don't find your reservation or your room. And I'm like, babe, what happened? She's like, I don't know. I thought you did. And I'm like, no, I was looking at the eagle, you were looking at the video, like we were all just confused. <laughs> After a couple minutes, they bring us up to the counter again, and they tell us, hey, we can't find your room, but we got good news. We actually have this room available. It has three rooms. It has a living room. It has a balcony overlooking the lake. I don't know if that's going to be okay. That's going to be fine. We'll take that one. Yeah, thank you so much. I could have sat there and asked why a million times, but it's not happening to me. It's happening for me. God is working something out where you can't see it. I choose to live with a different perspective that God, he is on my side. And he's working something out. Number, number one, have a different perspective. Number two, one of the things that will keep you with joy is developing gratitude. Oh, this is powerful. This is key. i try to practice this so much this past year. And it's done so good for my soul. Because this world, this culture will tell you to practice ingratitude. This world easily will flash before you all that you don't have or what you have is not good enough. Right? It will tell you your life's not good enough. Your car's not good enough. Your house is not big enough. Your spouse is not nice enough. Your body's not chiseled enough. And, you know, all of a sudden you'll begin to be ungrateful for the things that God has given you. And all of a sudden you'll be looking at yourself in the mirror and you're like, how can, how can I lift up this and how can I get some Botox here and how can I get, can I get surgery for a six pack and I suck some fat out and need a lift here and you want to lift something else? And- All of a sudden, you'll stop, and you will never stop to be grateful for the body and the life that God, I at least got oxygen, I at least can lift up a praise, I at least I'm alive. Come on, anybody grateful that at least you're here today, and you can give God a shout of praise, and you can be thankful, and you can have joy with the body that he gave you, even if it's saggy, even if it got a little bit extra cushion. Come on, somebody, be grateful for the body. Be grateful for the life. Be grateful for the wife. Be grateful for the husband. Be grateful it's developing and cultivating gratitude. It'll go so far. You know what's a good practice? to do? Develop a gratitude list. I did this at the beginning of 2019. I grabbed a piece of paper and I wrote down everything that I was thankful for. All of a sudden, you'll see you got way more blessings than you ever imagined. Listening to this guy, he's kind of like a life coach, business guy. Try to listen to his podcast every once in a while. He does something that I think is is really cool. I love it. I've tried to do it a couple times. He says, every night before you go to sleep, think about three things that happened in your day that you're grateful for. That's powerful. I think the people of God don't do it enough, and we're the ones who should do it more often. Developing gratitude will keep you with a sense of joy that God, he is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. James chapter 1, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy when you're going through trials and that makes no sense. But if you have an attitude of gratitude, you'll see that. You'll know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, and not lacking anything. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for everything because it's doing something. On the, I'm more patient than I was last year. I'm more loving than I was last year. I'm wiser than I was two years ago. Like everything happens for a reason. A mature disciple of Jesus will be able to say it's good in every circumstance. It is well with my soul. I remember when when we were little, my my dad, he used to take us out to the ocean. and, And I don't know if you had Hispanic parents like me, but my dad used to grab us. He didn't care if we were babies and throw us out in the ocean. Like just throw us. Love my dad. Best dad award. <laughs> but him throwing us in the ocean made us into good swimmers. And now I'm thankful all of us know how to swim. And maybe back then we hated it. We hated every salt water. And my sister's here. We hated every, every salt water that went into our eyes, our throat, and all that. And can I tell you, be grateful for every wave that comes against your life. It's making you a better swimmer making you wiser is making you stronger is developing something on the inside of you And so develop a gratitude list number one live with a different perspective it's not happening to me it's happening for me number two I'm going to develop gratitude I'm going to develop a grateful list and number three we'll finish with this determine your spirit here's what, I, what I'll tell you church I'll ask this Who is going to rule your spirit? Who's going to rule it? The choice is ours. Am I going to be bitter or am I going to get better? I'm not going to let anger, resentment, hurt, fear rule my spirit. It's a choice. The choice is ours. So many people in church and out of church, I see... They let circumstances, past hurts, fears, rule their lives. And here they are living 5, 10, 15 years removed from whatever happened, and they're still being defined by this moment, by this person, by this situation, because we're letting that person or that thing control our life. But it's up to us to determine my spirit. I can't control my circumstance, but I can't control my spirit in the circumstance. I'm going to choose to live a certain way. What's ruling your life? What's ruling your spirit today? I don't know about you, but I'm making a conscious decision every day and it's like, it's like muscle memory. Every day, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Every day, I'm going to choose to be full of joy. God told the people of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. In other words, God says, I, I put decisions in front of you, you choose. I put life and death before you. I put blessings and curses before you. I put it this way. I put joy or I put bitterness before you. Which ones are we going to choose? So many times we're letting things in life that we can't control come and rule our spirit. In fact, I'll say it this way. Don't let what you can't control control you. Today, some of us, we're we're leaving out of this place and and we're going to holiday parties this week, organization dinners, and spending time with family over the next two weeks. Like, How are you going to walk into a room? How are you going to be a witness to the rest of our city? I got a God that's different from the gods of this world because he's a real God and he gives me true and real joy. And I'm not, li- I'm not living for the things that don't matter. I've got my eyes on the things that are right and do matter. It's called peace. It's called hope. It's called love. It's called joy. It's called Jesus. H- how are we going to make that difference? Right? Here's what I tell you. Joy is your right. It's your right. As, as a child of God, Joy is your right. You got the right to be joyful. It's your right. You have right of freedom of speech, right? Nobody can tell you not to say anything. You got freedom of speech in this country. There's certain things that you have rights to. Joy is your right. And anything trying to steal that joy is illegal. What's trying to steal your joy today? It's an ego. it, It cannot take the joy that God has come to give you in Jesus. Because I know what he did, I know what he's doing, and I know what he will do. It's my right to have joy today. And you can't steal it, the world can't steal it, circumstances can't take it. It's my right, it's my right in Jesus to have a spirit of joy. Nothing's going to steal it. What's stealing your joy? Call it illegal today. I will not let any more negative people take my joy. I will let toxic people take my joy. I'm not gonna let my boss determine if I live with a spirit of joy or not. I'm not let my money determine if I have joy or not. I'm not gonna let my circumstance. I got the right to be joyful in Jesus. It's your right. It's your right. Choose. A couple of years ago, I remember I got into this little small accident. It was a little small accident, and. Um, I was heading in one direction and a guy made a turn when I was turning and, and he, he kind of like just bumped into me. It wasn't big. It was small. But we both got off the car and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, sir, and we're trying to figure it out. And he's like, it's your fault. I'm like, um, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to call the cops. I'm like, yeah, let's call the cops. And police officers showed up and started talking to both of us. And After a few minutes, he calls us both together and he's like, uh, sir. I'm going to have to give you the citation. He looked at the other guy, and I was like, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> he said, because um, this other guy, he had the right of way. You ever heard of the right of way? This was my right of way. He got, he got in my path illegally. He was out of line. He was out of order. This was my right of way. I had every right in my lane at that moment to make that turn. Some of us today, you're missing out on the joy that God came to give us. It's your right as a child of God. You have been forgiven. You have been cleansed. You have been redeemed, you have been purchased, you have been delivered, you have been freed, you got eternal life. It's your right. I got a right of joy. It's my right of joy. I'm going to be joyful in all of life's circumstances. It's not an emotion. It's not because I feel it. It's because it's my right in Jesus. Life may not be working out, but I got joy on the inside. All things may be going and breaking loose, but I got a right to remain joyful in him. I got a right. I got a right. I got a right to be joyful. What's taking your peace? What's taking your hope? What's taking your joy? Come on, let's stand up to our feet all across this place.